One Emotional Podcast, Conversations for Inspiration on the Go. We offer on-the-go inspiration because our whole heart is set on beauty and our best bets are set on art. Hi, Vivian. How are you? Welcome to Luan Emotional Podcast. Hi, Marianne. Thank you. It is a pleasure to be here. Mm, the pleasure is ours. Uh, Vivian, I would like to make a short introduction about who this amazing woman is. And um, she's a social entrepreneur and consultant with experience in le leadership, innovation and design. Vivian is kind of like this change maker that, that believes in tackling global grand challenges through creativity and collaboration, working together to change the world. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about her experience around Mexico, Israel and Kenya, because she works several years with marginalized communities around these countries. And in 2011, she launched a cost free social media campaign to help the hunger in Africa caused by the drought in which she raised a hundred thousand US dollars in 10 days, brought together 57 international volunteers and delivered 40 tons of food and medical care to 20,000 affected people. Um, and one of the important talking points that we're going to talk today is about the exponential technologies. And why did we invited this amazing woman to Luan's emotional podcast? Well, it's because in 2013, she attended Singularity University at NASA, where she studied the use of exponential technologies to integrate them into humanitarian work and apply them to change the world. After graduating, Vivian became an ambassador in Mexico, and nowadays she is an international speaker and the director of Singularity University in Mexico, driving progress through technology and innovation. Wow, Vivian, I love everything that you've done. And you've always been involved in projects of social impact. Tell us about your biggest drives about innovation for social good and the use of technology to help humanity. Well, since I'm a kid, I think uh, one of the most important things about me is I was raised, I'm the fourth child after three brothers, and especially my oldest brother, he was always involved in different projects on how can we help society. Mm -hmm. He constantly talked to me about the importance of education, of uh, building a world that it's like more abundant, but especially that it's fair and that it's free for everyone and how we need to be grateful for what we have and do something to build a better world. Mm. So since I'm a kid, I constantly got involved in different projects, especially related to poverty or education. How can we uh, make a world that it's like more, more um, humanitarian in a way, like mm -hmm. that it's fair and it's just for everyone. And as, as you said, when I was in 2011, I went to Kenya to do a project of education through art with children um, inside tribes. So it was a great project. I was living inside the tribe with a family and working with the children every day. And I loved what I was doing, but I was constantly frustrated that my impact was very limited. 
Mm. It didn't matter how long I was working. I could work for 24 hours a day and I only could reach the 20 or 30 children that I had around me. And regardless of the global situation and what was happening all over the world, I only could reach the people I had around me. Mm-hmm. And when I was doing this program, it's when the 2011 drought in the Horn of Africa happened. So for three years, it didn't rain. So all the, like most of the animals died, mo- every plant died. Like it was a threatening situation for thousands and thousands of people. And being there, I was able to do this campaign. I literally just sent a a message on Facebook explaining the situation. This was way before the crowdfunding boom started, you know? Mm. And that's when I got interested in technology. I realized that working 24 seven with the children my impact was very limited, but when I was able to apply technology into a purpose, then you can have a bigger uh, impact. What technology helps is to scale. And if we can scale, we can improve the kind of impact that we're trying to have in the world. A hundred percent. And you saw it in first hand, right? How by adding technology, you could also raise this amount of money. And what was your experience by working with these people? What other kind of like realities did you find by being with them? So actually the most interesting part is, and, and I think this is common, but at least what happened to me is when you go to do uh, uh, volunteer work somewhere. Mm-hmm. In some sense, the perspective I was going first is like, okay, I know how things should be and I'm going to go there to teach them. And it's really funny, but you realize that we're not here to teach anything. We are here to share. And the only thing we can do is to share our own experience and to learn from others and to question ourselves constantly and to have this kind of dialogues where both sides learn something different, but it's not about teaching, it's about learning and sharing. And that's the biggest lesson I had during all of this experience. So living with different tribes and living in different areas, what was amazing is to realize that no one has the truth. There is no truth Mm -hmm. as a universal thing. We all have different experiences and that shapes the way we think and the way we act and what we believe. And the only thing we can do is sharing those beliefs and those acts and those experiences to let the other person decide if any of that is useful for them and vice versa listening to their sharing and getting some parts of it to build a new way of thinking, of acting, of believing, of everything. Of course. And conversations have the power to change the world, right? The power of conversations inside any relationship or inside, you know, human connections, it's so important. It's so crucial that 
sometimes I feel that sometimes we forget, right, how important they are because they are the core aspect for maybe, you know, bringing people together for the harmony that you can see inside a community, for the harmony inside a family, for example, right? And it's part of, you know, opening this dialogue and being able to put empathy in a specific situation. Totally. It actually creates, you know, it's not only what you are feeling because we tend to only see, right, or have, you know, conscious of what, of what we're feeling, but it opens a different dimension towards what must the other person must be feeling. And that is fascinating because you see and you sense a lot of needs that you didn't know they were there. And I mean, you know this better than anyone else. Like that's the whole point on this kind of Luan podcast and the different talks you have when you bring people with different ideas that can share either their experience or their ideas, then the magic happens. And that's what helps us like understanding that there are different uh, living styles. Mm -hmm. It's the only thing that lets you to question your own life and mm -hmm. decide whatever you want. Like it doesn't matter if you end up going through the same way you were going before, mm -hmm. but now it's because you decided it and not because it just happened. And because that's what, you know, exactly. so you're doing you're taking responsibility right you're taking responsibility for your actions and taking responsibility for the life that you have and that actually kind of like creates a different model than we were you know raised in you know judeo-christian societies where eventually it's kind of like no you ask god for something and it depends on god if he gives it to you to you or not and <laughs> and here it's like changing the conversation on like you are responsible a hundred percent for creating the life that you have and the life and the world that we are creating, we are constantly designing it, right? Tell us a little totally. bit about how, you know, these conversations, like the one we're having right now, like the one you have in um, in your summit, in your in your Singularity Summit, help to, to shape and to design the future. So something important is technology is crucial today, but actually it has been crucial through history. And let's say, let's start by, by saying that technology, it's not only to talk about artificial intelligence and biotechnology. During the history, there has always been different technologies and technologies are these kind of tools that we have to change reality. Whichever situation we're living that, like at some point, the press and being able to print books and newspapers and everything was the biggest technology that humankind had until that moment, right? The thing is today we don't see it as a technology because we got used to it. Mm -hmm. And we are always seeing those that were not used to them yet. And that's why we tend to talk about all these like exponential technologies that most of the times we don't necessarily understand till mm -hmm. the core. Now, what it's important is because all the technologies have the power to, to change reality and to shape the kind of future we're gonna live at, it is important to have the conversation to decide what kind of technologies we're gonna use and how we're gonna use them. Mm -hmm. The thing is technologies, they're not good or bad. There are tools and we are the ones who are going to decide the way we're going to use them. And when we do the Singularity Summit, the reason why I personally like doing them is because 
If we don't understand a technology and we just close our eyes and pretend it's not happening, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. It only means that you're leaving the decision to someone else and you're going to leave by the decisions that someone else that someone else is making and you're not part of shaping that future. And I think it's important that regardless if we understand the technology or if we don't, we are part of the conversation because the more diverse this conversation is, the more, the more accurate the way we use it is going to be. Of course, it's like having these exponential technologies that we are creating and kind of like leaving them kind of like in the free hand market, right? For them to be implemented wherever and they could be used for good or for bad, but it totally it depends if we actually want to open the conversation to regulate it, right? If we want to open the conversation of, um, you know, having different committees, for example, that could be voting or shaping the use of those technologies. And before we jump into that, I want to you know ask you just for the people over here who are listening to us that don't know what exponential technologies are and if you could differentiate any other kind of technology uh, versus the exponential technologies of course so there is something that it's called uh morris law mm -hmm. so what morris did is he analyzed a chip inside a computer and he realized that these chips every 18 months, every year and a half, more or less, they double the, the, the capacity that they have and they reduce in the price into half. So regardless of if, if during this period there were wars, recessions, crises, constantly the chips inside a computer are doubling their capabilities and lowering their price half every time. That brings a curve of exponentiality. It means those technologies that are doubling every between a year or two years period. Mm -hmm. Computers are not the only technology that is having that kind of acceleration. There are many technologies that are following the same law. For example, artificial intelligence, robotics, uh, biotechnologies. Actually, biotechnologies are going six times faster than Moore's law. So they're doubling every three or four months. So that's crazy. Even quantum computers right now are having this exponential uh, drive. So there are many different technologies that are accelerating. What, what it's interesting is that it doesn't matter, matter for how long these technologies keep raising, they will continue over time. Like we can see the circuits going all the way back to uh, nine, the, I don't know, like the beginning of the 20th century. Mm -hmm. And since then they have been doubling constantly. Like today, anyone who has a smartphone have more computational power than the whole NASA had when they got for the first time to the moon. Hmm. So all the power that everyone with a, with a smartphone have on their hands is bigger than what NASA used 
to take a person into the moon. So that's crazy. That's crazy. And, and even more crazy when we are honestly spending some of our, of our time on social media instead of, you know, <laughs> doing a kind of like, you know, impressive things to go out and, you know, visit the moon, for example. <laughs> But actually, Marion, what it's important to think is even using social media, the whole question is how are we using it? For what like, purpose? Yeah. Exactly. The whole mission that I did in Kenya, the one that you uh, said on the introduction, I raised $100,000 in 10 days to help the hunger mm -hmm. through Facebook mm -hmm. and Twitter. That was all the tools I had, and I was able to help 20,000 people. Of course. Spending time in social media is not good or bad. The question is, how are you spending you that time? Of course, exactly. same thing as, you know, knowledge is power, right? It's like knowledge per se is nothing, depending on how you implement that knowledge. <laughs> it's if, if you're using it for the right purpose of not. And right now, The thing that amazes me a lot with social media is that, for example, nowadays we have more access to healthcare than before, right? Nowadays we have more access to information. Nowadays we have more access to education, to yeah. self-education, right? And we would be assuming that eventually if we have more access to those kind of things, we would be happier. And it's crazy enough to see the anxiety and the depression rates, you know, they are growing really, really fast. So maybe social media, of course, for some people, they're not used it to raise yes. money to end you know a drought or you know hunger in uh, Africa but they're maybe using it to compare themselves to other models or to compare them their careers to other people's careers and so on and how how could we start kind of like regulating or putting ethics into this part of the conversation is there something we can do to make sure that these technologies are implemented correctly so Okay, let me take a step back actually on what you were saying on our last summit, we had one uh, keynote on the future of happiness. Mm -hmm. And what I loved about it is she was actually talking about how all these digital technologies cause so much, so much anxiety. Mm -hmm. And apparently we have two ways One of them is to throw all technologies and go back to a simpler life and pretend that nothing happened. The other one is to put everything under the row and like pretend everything is perfect. And there is a third option and is to be conscious about the way we use technology and the purpose that we give to it. And I think that's where the future of happiness, I agree with the speaker on that's where the future of happiness is going on learning how to use correctly all the technologies that we have around. Um, now, on, on the regulation part, and I think even more important than the regulation is, again, the way we use it. And there is one technology I would like to put as an example, and it's artificial, uh, sorry, uh, virtual reality. When we talk about virtual reality, the first thing that we, most of the people think about, it's video games, right? Like, how are we going to do more immersive video games and have fun? And yes, it's a technology that can bring a lot of fun, and that's great. But there are some places, like, for example, Stanford, they have a virtual reality lab. And what I like about this lab is a sociology lab. Mm -hmm. And what they are exploring 
sharing is what happens with the person when they are experiencing the virtual reality life or whatever. And all the games that they are building is on how can we teach empathy through this technology, Mm -hmm. what kind of experiences we, and the problem with different values as empathy is you cannot learn them from reading the book Mm -hmm. or you cannot learn empathy just by listening to a talk or something like that. You need to experience it. And what they are doing is building different scenarios where you can really develop your empathy for others while playing with this kind of technologies. So the interesting part, in my opinion, is that uh, we it's not only to develop empathy or these ethical values to use technology properly, but how can we use technology to develop empathy and all these values? And that's when it gets really interesting. Of course, using the technology for people to access, you know, different emotional states and kind Mm -hmm. of like train and kind of like stretch a little bit in a contained space about what, you know, compassion for other people might feel, what, what does self-compassion for ourselves feel as well. Right. Um, for example, things about tolerance, diversity, uh, right. So we need these exponential technologies to kind of like make a more inclusive world. Because at the end, we are the only ones kind of like segmenting it uh, because of whatever reasons, you know, humans might be having. And eventually we're creating this divided world. And also, you know, we can see this divided world really strong with these eco chambers, right? How, you know, ideology wise, constantly we're having societies that are more polarized in their ideas and are kind of like, you know, completely sure and fixed on that, you know, mindset, what can you tell us about how we can use correctly the use of technologies to prevent these polarization of ideologies? So I think we're going back into the importance of having conversations, right? Like having dialogues is the only way to question ourselves and to uh, consider different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, Most of the times, the only way we can bring peace into a group, a society or whatever, and uh, reducing discrimination, hate and everything else is by knowing someone that it's totally different to you. Mm -hmm. Generally, when there is racism, for example, the in most of the cases, the person that hates someone else is because they have never been in touch with anyone with those characteristics. And once they have a conversation and they realize they have so many things in common, most of the times, and it's a generalization, but most of the times, the 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 whole feeling changes immediately. Yes, they will like each and, other, right? Exactly. And the thing is, you, you, you might hate someone else because you think you don't have anything in common with that person. And when you start having a conversation, you realize you have much more in common than you think. And that's when the magic happens. And what it's interesting is again, how can we use technology to bring together those kind of people most of the time? And what used to happen in the past is you only had access to the people that are around you, either in your community or if you can move around maybe in your city, but nothing further than that. 
when you have the opportunity through technology to have a conversation with someone who lives on the other side of the world, who comes from a different culture, who comes from a different religion, who has a different color of the skin and so many other gender, whatever, then technology can really bring to bring people together. Mm. And that brings a lot of possibilities. What we need to think again is how are we going to use those possibilities? How can we shape the situation and use technology on the, on the right side to bring those people together with a purpose and letting us question what can we learn and share with someone different to add value to humanity? Of course, a hundred percent. And you just, you know, pinpoint something quite interesting. I completely agree with you in the sense that, um, if you don't like someone, just sit down and talk to them. And eventually you will find like many things are fascinating between you two, right? It could be it's sharing the same emotions or sharing the same likes or sharing, you know, something else. And it's amazing to see, you know, uh, how technology actually implements this by creating different, you know, communities or different groups or different, you know, uh, for example, the summit that you're doing, right. It kind of like brings like-minded people together and to every event that you do, you know, you find interesting people and you meet and this networking gets kind of like really, really, really rich. Right. I, I wonder if, um, if there's any other kind of like exponential technologies towards creating more fun. Because most of the time I think that we grow as adults and we forget at some point how to have fun. You have a kid, right? And with your baby, you're constantly seeing that they play and they love to play and anything could be playful, anything. And they start yeah. creating, you know, stories and there's, and you know, like if they're taking, you know, a bath then eventually it becomes, you know, a playground for them and everything turns into play. And most of the time that's how they learn, right? We, do, yeah. we, we then become adults and it's kind of like, shoom, you know, we take life so seriously, we're not playing. <laughs> and sometimes we're not having fun. Do you know of other projects around there that are kind of like um, pushing towards, you know, and like expanding the limit, the limits of having fun? So there is, there is actually one quote that I love and it says, the problem is that we spend the first 12 months of a child's life teaching them to walk and talk and we spend the next 12 years asking them to sit down and shut up not to do it <laughs> so, first we, <laughs> so first we want them to stand up and to start walking and to explore everything and when we got all that curiosity and creativity and everything we send them to school and we ask them to sit on a chair and to shut up and just start uh writing right right or memorizing or stop you know questioning copying. being curious copying. oh my god it's <laughs> crazy our educational model needs to change <laughs> and i think it's changing slowly but we we are seeing every day every time many more edtech startups having different approaches and I'm pretty sure that there is going to be a new revolution in the upcoming years. Um, but I think the same way, like uh, there is, it is so important the 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 part of playing on the uh, learning 
children learn by playing mm-hmm. and it goes together if they're not playing most like the i would say they're not learning in most of the of the of in most parts right um there are many different initiatives on uh for example bringing technologies in fun ways Sadly, they're more targeted into children than adults. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying sadly, not because it's sad that it's tar- targeted to children, but I believe there should be For many both. more to adults as well, right? Um, and the thing is, for example, there are many kids on how to play with biotechnologies and how to start doing uh cloning and start to doing DNA reading and writing through different games and almost like experiments that you can do in your house. And I think that's amazing. There are even, there is a school in Mexico and I don't remember the name, but I love it because they teach, for example, everything that it's math, they teach it inside a kitchen. Mm. And they say like by cooking, you can Mm. learn everything about numbers and proportions and fractions and even physics and chemistry you can learn it all by doing a cake Mm -hmm. so why not cooking a cake while you're learning all this concepts and numbers and i think that's amazing and that's the kind of initiatives that we need to have like and it's not only at the kitchen but to understand what are the interests of the children and to learn the different subjects and again all the way from math to chemistry learn them by doing and learn them in like by working and experiencing. And I think that's going to be interesting. Of course. And being exposed to that, you know, ambience, right. Where it's easier to learn. It's kind of like, you know, we have sometimes, you know, marine biologists, right. Sometimes they're, you know, studying inside the university in a classroom where also they should be out there in the field. Right. Yeah. You know, so being in the sea, checking out the new species and taking, checking out, you know, uh, the new microbes and everything that's, you know, inside the sea. Also. And it's, it's fascinating to see how these educational models, you know, I know it's hard and I'm not saying it's easy, but you know, we have a world that's advancing so fast culturally in technology wise. It's, 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 you know, it's kind of like going so fast that it's almost, you know, going out of our hands, right? Because of this really fast movement that we're seeing, it's changing constantly and the educational model, it's not changing near as fast as the the world around us, right? The other day I saw this article talking about um, how we are honestly limiting ourselves with learning in, in, in our creative, in our learning environments. We should be out there, you know, playing out in the field and experimenting, you know, with more senses than only with our sight sense you know sight and obviously you know hearing and it was fascinating to see about how we know how we can add exponential technologies inside education what it's missing for the real change or the exponential change to start you know working inside the educational model this is a personal opinion but what i believe is that one of the biggest challenges is that the best educational philosophies are the worst systems and vice versa. If we think about the traditional system 
uh, it all goes on a book. So you are following a book and it doesn't matter if you are living in a city, if you are on the field, if you're lost in a mountain, as long as you have your book, you can go through it and systematically it has the same result. Mm -hmm. It is a terrible result, but it's a terrible result everywhere and with every children. <laughs> and the thing is for countries, they need to make it universal. They need to make sure that all the children get the same result. Mm -hmm. And that's why they're looking for systems. Now, the best educational philosophies are very personalized. They are looking at what is the interest, what are the capabilities, what are the abilities of each specific child and try to give that child whatever he or she needs at that specific moment. Mm -hmm. The problem is that everything depends on the capacity of the adult to detect those needs and those interests and those abilities in every child. Mm -hmm. That's not systematically possible. No. And the challenge is how do you become, how do you make that something that needs to be personalized can become universal? Mm. And I think that's where we haven't find the answer. How can we make something that it's personalized and systematic at the same time. Yeah, and being able to scale fast because the, the education system needs to scale fast, right? Yeah, and, and we need to try new things, but at the same way, like if you're trying something in your business, the next month you can see how your sales went and you can adjust, right? Mm -hmm. When you're experimenting in education, you need to wait for the whole generation, so 20 years, exactly, to see how they became and if something worked or not. And in general, people don't want to wait that long to see results. And that's why people don't try new things yeah. because they it, won't it know. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And we need to find better ways to measure things in education mm -hmm. uh, and starting by, for example, all the soft skills. Mm. Like the, the educational system that we have these days, it focuses on hard skills because we know how to measure them. Yeah. We have the test to determine how the child went on those skills. Mm -hmm. The soft skills, even if they're even more important than the hard skills in many ways, we still don't know how to measure them. Mm -hmm. We don't know how to test them in a way. And that's why we're pretending they don't exist and we just focus on the other side. And I think that's a huge mistake we need to rethink. Of course. I saw the future of jobs report by the World Economic Forum. They were saying that one of the most important skills that we're going to need for 2030 is, for example, creativity. It was wonder, mm -hmm. wonder and curiosity. That's amazing. Yeah. Sometimes we try to kill curiosity or we try to kill creativity and kind of like It, it's a pain to, you know, when we're talking with other people inside the one, most people don't think they ha they are creative. Most people don't think they are, you know, are an artist. It's kind of like, oh no, I'm not creative because I don't know how to paint. Hey, come on, you know, being creative, it's about solving problems. What does yeah. a designer is doing? A designer is, you know, 
putting solutions, right? Into yeah. the interior design space for the client, as an example, right? A mathematician is also creating solutions for the math problem, right? So we are all artists inside of us and we are all creatives. Just, you know, we have cataloged it in a different way that we think, you know, we're telling ourselves a lie that we are not creatives, but creativity for sure. It's one of the most important things that we're going to use. And technology was actually created and especially exponential technology, thankfully to creativity. So I don't know we're, why we're not teaching creativity in our schools. That should be kind of like the number one, you know, subject we should be teaching constantly because it's actually what, you know, drives change. Yeah. And I think it's because we don't even understand what creativity means. Again, we think that if we don't know how to paint or if we don't have these artistic abilities, we cannot be creative. And we need to separate those two things immediately. We need to understand that we don't need to be artists to be creative. Yes. And create uh, creativity, it's a way of thinking and finding different alternatives to the same situation and understanding that there is no one way, but there are many ways to do the same thing. And we need to start by, again, like separating completely the artistic abilities than the creative abilities in order to make everyone creative and not necessarily everyone and of course and we are all creators constantly we are creating constantly our life and we are creating constantly you know the world around us we are constantly doing it actively participating in that creation so at the end we are you know creators constantly and we need to acknowledge it and to yeah. own that right and you know, the last and I think there are mm -hmm. tell me, sorry, tell me. there are two very important things on this subject, and is we need to be empowered enough and responsible enough to understand that we're deciding, designing, sorry, the kind of world and society and future we want to live in. Mm -hmm. So we're not victims of technology. We're not victims of society. We are the ones deciding the kind of world and uh, society we're going to have for the next. And having responsibility and empowerment, I think it's crucial. Of course, 100%. If you could, you know, um, if you could empower the world in one thing, what would it be? What would you focus on all the possibilities that you have? Imagine that you have a magic wand. Um, I think empathy. Hmm. I think uh, empathy has a, is, is like one of the keys to really shape a world that it's better for everyone. And I think looking for others, not only for yourself. And when I say empathy, I'm not saying at 
any point forgetting about yourself. Like looking for others, it doesn't mean to betray yourself and pretend you're not important because everyone else is. Being empathic with others is as important as being empathic with yourself. Mm -hmm. But that's a possibility of raising humanity altogether. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And also... Really excited to see what these new exponential technologies have for us in hand to, you know, to create and to keep on spreading empathy. If there's going to be kind yeah. of like, you know, creative experiences, artistic experiences around the world. For example, one amazing art project that I love is this one about Alejandro González Iñárritu called Carne y Arena. That it is about, you know, migrants, you know, it's, you know, this immersive experience yeah. with migrants on how they're crossing the border, right? So they're using technology, you know, to create, you know, awareness and empathy towards social problems that we see every day of our lives. So it's interesting to see what world we're going to be creating in the near future. And because if we're not empathic, we always see the situation with in a more much more simplistic way yeah. and only from our perspective and understanding the context and everything else related i think it's the difference for really understanding the person 100%. and even even more interesting on what technology is going to bring us what i'm interested is to see how are we going to use Yeah. those technologies and what are we going to build with them yeah and have in mind that we have that power to choose we have that power every day of our lives with our social media with our phones with our computer we have every day that responsibility and that decision on how we're using those technologies in our everyday life in our businesses with our teammates in our jobs right in our family and it's up to us to make sure that we're using them for the right reasons and they're using them you know when they're empowering us it's Instead of you know bringing us down amazing vivian so just to close i have a few questions that i would like to ask you the idea of this um exercise is to have a response from you that's you know with one word or maybe you know a few words at the most and uh kind of like say you know anything that comes you know to mind that's you know easy to implement I think we lost you there for a second. Hold on, we're having connectivity issues. Sorry, we had connectivity issues. <laughs> <laughs> It's part of, uh, we always make fun that when we're talking about technology, technology has to fail. Exactly. It is part like, it. we cannot avoid that. So. <laughs> It's like she's being aware of, you know, other people being aware of herself, right? <laughs> Of course, if we were talking about any other subject, technology would work perfectly. perfectly. This episode that it's about technology, something needs to happen. A hundred percent. It always happens. <laughs> so just to close this, I would like to ask you, Vivian, a few questions. The idea of this is to answer either with one or a few words, just anything that comes to mind, you know, really fast. There's no right or wrong answers. It's just kind of like have different perspectives on, you know, same issues that we have so okay. um for you what is art ah uh, it's it's curiosity and it's creativity and it's bringing like putting part of yourself for the world to see in a different way amazing 
your favorite author. Ayn Rand. The advice that changed your life. Uh, study whatever you want to learn, not necessarily what you like the, the, like when I was going to university, I got this advice that was don't study what you want to be study, what you want to learn and mm. then figure out what you want to be, because that gives you the possibility to change who you want to be with time. Mm. I love that. The, uh, the best quality in humans empathy a book that you recommend the fountain head what feeds your soul people the most pressing issue for humanity the most what pressing issue for humanity inequality if humans can agree on this you will be very happy Oh, um, I would like to say on peace, but it's, it's so broad, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> What would you like to scream to the world? Is there something kind of like you feel the urge to let it out? To enjoy life, mm. life. It's not something where we have to suffer. It's something we have to enjoy and just to leave. Mm -hmm. Something you expect with joy for 2022. Um, I, I, as you know, I have a baby and just to see him grow and develop himself. Mm. The last one, what is it that you have lived that no one could miss experiencing? Having the opportunity to like live with a different culture, mm. like leave their hometown and just meeting people that are different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 100%. Amazing, Vivian. This, well, this conversation was amazing. We'd love to have you here in Luan Emotional Podcast and looking forward for these new um, exponential technologies, you know, how are they actually helping us shape this world especially how we can use them for the right reasons thank you for sharing your experience your knowledge and your magic with the luan community thank you for having me it has been a pleasure and i'm looking forward to see what's going to happen and how we're going to build a better world mm, of course together <laughs> together i agree <laughs> <laughs> amazing thank you so much thank you marianne Want to keep the conversation going? Luan, the world's first emotional museum, designed a global online experience to inspire and explore. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Telegram, and visit our site at luanmuseum.com to engage creatively.